Hello and welcome to this week's French Football Weekly podcast. I am your host, Chris, as you all know me by, that is my name, and I'm joined by Phil and Jez once again this evening. Good evening to you both. Good evening. Hello. Um, We have got literally so much to get through tonight, and then we've got more to preview beyond tonight as well. So uh, we will waste no time and we will jump straight into everything that we've got to cover. Um, Before we talk about the football, we do just want to uh, mention the passing today of Gerard Houllier. Um, Sort of our English listeners and our French listeners will will no doubt be fully aware of his work Um, in in France, probably more notable in terms of recent history. Um, And I, I would imagine sort of in terms of his managerial career, particularly Liverpool and Aston Villa fans will all remember him in terms of the UK audience. But uh, he passed away today uh, at the age of 73. So um, a decent innings. He had been suffering from from heart issues and recently had a heart operation. And uh, yeah, the the news broke today that that he had passed on. Um, Do either of you want to say anything? I mean, as I say, it's obviously very sad and condolences to, to his family, but any anybody want to sort of chime in on anything that they might want to mention at this time i think uh, for me i know that obviously his recent history was liverpool in particular but bearing in mind he was at psg he was involved in the france setup particularly at the the younger levels as well he's just uh, uh been a really important and popular i think and and friendly uh presence in france football um for such a long time and uh so yes it's as you say it's a terrible terrible news um sorry for obviously his family and his fans we've seen many players uh putting up tributes to him um, for what he did for them and how they remember him, I think that's a. He always seemed like such a, a lovely bloke and such a, a sensible manager as well with his blogs and his explanations and things like that. So yes, it's it's terribly sad news at the end of a year, which has been terribly sad in many many ways. So just. Um, respect and obviously condolences to his his family and friends yeah yeah absolutely um won trophies with with psg or won the as it was then division one league on title in 85 86 and titles with uh leon in uh 2005 6 and 6 7 as well as the trophy de champion in the same years as well and as you mentioned there hugely successful time with uh, with liverpool as well so um yes yeah. uh, partly to stefan honcho's handle yeah i mean as much as i'd love to bring that up i'm going to move on swiftly because it would just make me angry once again <laughs> but, but yeah I very much i don't think there's any doubt that he's a an extremely nice guy and obviously phil went through some of his successes and also did some very good work at the at the dtn and even setting up a sort of red bull footballing franchise mm. he was also the manager that presided over France completely collapsing um, when they should have qualified for the 1994 World Cup. And he also, immediately after the match, basically made Geneva a kind of national scapegoat, which I thought was 
then and still think now is an extremely classless thing to do. Mm. Yeah, I, I suppose what that goes to show is that for all the successes and and whatnot that anyone's career comes with, there there is always the other side that that I suppose in, in fairness is overlooked for a reason, but should be remembered as well. Um, you know, controversies will follow people around, um, rightly or wrongly, and and certainly certain things um, are not always not always brought up shall we say at times like these so yeah i think in the interest of balance there's no harm in in mentioning said things um i think some some leon fans would say that he is a factor in them losing their edge the last few years as well yeah that 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 was definitely apparent even in recent times a lot of leon fans have been saying that for for a while as well as the 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 current sort of um or whatever role juninho is playing i suppose there's a little bit of a link to him you often see those two sat together but yeah, um, it's certainly one of those one of those things that uh, that um, some fans will have one view and, and others will have another. But we will we'll move on anyway. Um, but uh, speaking of controversy, we're going to rewind back to the uh, European games from last week. And uh, again, once again, this is where I apologise to both Nice, uh, sorry, both Ren, Nice, and Marseille fans because we're not really going to mention your teams, but we are going to mention the PSG game. Um, Phil, I'll come to you on this one. In the end, PSG ran out 5-1 winners, comfortable. Um, Neymar more on him later was absolutely outstanding. In the second game of this particular um, setup, mainly due to the events the previous night, where I think the investigation is still ongoing, but um, the fourth official was deemed to have used uh, racial... Um, uh, quote, I suppose you you would you would use it racial language towards Pierre Weber, who didn't he play in France? I seem to remember. I may have got that completely wrong, but I'm sure he did. Um, and and the controversy that sparked that, both players, you know, agreed to leave the pitch together. There was a show of of unity in that. And indeed, when the game was replayed the next night, there was once again unity in that game. What did you make of that whole event, that whole that whole sort of series of events, I guess, in that game? Because it, yeah. it shows that we've got a lot to learn still. I think so. I think um, the scoreline is the least important uh, overall. Uh, that it was the Tuesday, or was it the, the Wednesday, when after about 20 minutes, there was the suspension. And what what I think I felt was very important was that PSG backed up the Bazakshia players in walking off mm. and I think we we spoke about this last week there has been some there have been some issues in France recently about the way in which uh, particularly the police uh, treat uh, black French people and uh, players such as uh, Kylian Mbappe, Antoine Griezmann, Ben Mendy, many others have spoken out about that and have taken a world of shit from certain, uh, shall we say, either commentators or politicians. And so this came in the midst of that kind of domestic conversation that's happening. And that meant that when Demba Bar um, stepped forward and said, uh, why are you talk? Why are you using these words about Pierre Weber when you wouldn't use them about um, other people? 
that he was backed up by Mbappe, by uh, Presnel Kimpembe as well, was very strong in, in his response on this. And Neymar was also in support. And the fact that they supported, PSG supported Bazakshir in walking off, I think was very important. We've seen many times in the past where a player has complained of racism and their own their own teammates have not supported them in the way that you think appropriate. This was very much all the players saying, nope, we're off. And uh, I think that was um, kind of the marked point of this. It was Firstly, this was one of the officials who was being criticised, which I think is slightly new, but also that it was both teams standing together and that was also something that was new and in that case uh, very um, very good to see that they were not going to put up with this and the reason apparently it didn't um, kind of uh, restart on the night was that there was no there were no sub officials so they said well we can put him in the VAR truck and bring one of them out to to, to run the line and and Basakshi said, we don't want him having anything to do with this game. And it's a bit like, is this park football? We're expecting them to ask for volunteers from the stand, like, Mrs. Navas, can you come down here, please, and run the line for us? It did seem uh, very strange, but they were very strong in refusing uh, that suggestion. And I think it may make a, a difference that Obviously, there's a possibility that UEFA could have said, well, if you walk off, you get the other team gets a walkover. Asakshia were already out. There was no leverage that could be um, sort of uh, made against them. And so they stood up, Denver Bar, from the bench. You saw his, uh, saw his um, uh, comments on that. Uh, Webo himself asking what the hell was going on and the PSG players supporting that. I think that was a very a, a, a good thing to see in response to a bad situation and so yes the result is what it is but um, how that game the first bit of that game played out was possibly more important. Yeah, yeah, and watching it live, it was it was quite a thing because, as you said, like you wouldn't normally have heard the audio um, with with a crowd in. You might not have heard it so clearly, but it was all very, very clear and very quickly clear what had gone on. Um, I have somehow invented that Pierre Weber played in France. By the way, he didn't he played in Spain, but not in France? I don't know where I got that from, but still. Um, but yeah, he was you know rightly rightly two World Cups though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That there you go. That, that'll that'll do. That'll do. the man's name. Yes, um, and uh, Jez, the it shouldn't be missed in this that I thought PSG handled this very well. Um, I think you said at the time. Um, I'll, I'll be honest. My, my first thought, looking at the game before I before it became very clear what had happened, my first thought was, "Oh God, what have they done now?" And, and that's awful to think. But you just PSG with certain things, things follow them around. I just thought, "Oh God, has somebody you know has one of the players said something?" I thought they handled the situation really, really well in terms of what they did sort of during the game with the players, um, you know, joining the bus actually here players and the, the next night out. Obviously, they qualified top of the group as a result of this, which we'll come on to. But they did handle the whole situation very well, I thought. You, you wanted to say something about that. 
Um, I, just, I, just, I think that, um, first of all, to touch on what, on what Phil said about, for example, Mbappe and Griezmann and, and messaging about the, um, the music producer who was built beaten up, for example. There's been a lot, as usual, sort of lots of French French football media kind of slagging off its own players and saying, oh, look at Marcus Rashford, why don't we ever do anything like that? N none of our footballers are sort of engaged like that, which really pisses me off because, mm. for, you know, a long way back, you go to the 1998 World Cup winners, I remember for the next sort of two or three summers at least, practically every other week there was some kind of charity match that one or other of them was was arranging whether it was um i know that perez and his wife had had a, a charity for a girl who, who um had a, an issue with her heart and nizar azu um is very big on environmental matters and turam obviously we know is a, is a big activist anti-racism activist there's always been an element of that and let's be frank in england there isn't that much engagement and it's only because of that that players like rashford and, and sterling are singled out um in a positive and a negative way sadly um for for their engagement there should be more all across the block although i yeah um so I, th I think it is important to, to note that, although I also do think it's fair to say that when in uh, other protests police are beaten up, there's no reason why players can't observe that that's wrong as well. Um, but yeah, in terms of PSG, I think um, hopefully this is a positive precedent that, that's going to be set. I mean, obviously there's been sort of touches of, of there's been people sort of trying to bring up the, the PSG Marseille match of earlier in the season um, with sort of accusations and counter accusations of, of racist comments there. And the big difference here is that it was one of the officials that <clears throat> came up with a comment. Um, so it's kind of easier for both teams to sort of rally round because there isn't mm -hmm. in a way there's sort of nothing in it for them sort of accusing the other team or or having to sort of think almost tactically and say what are the implications for us if we're to walk off here um so i i think um kind of i suppose not to put it cynically but there was an opportunity for psg to do the right thing but they absolutely did do the right thing. There's absolutely no doubt about that. And it was very good to see. And like I said, hopefully this is a positive precedent. Firstly, um, that we'll see, I mean, obviously, hopefully we don't see anything like this, but if anything like this happens, that all players on the team of whoever it might be who's abused or on the opposing team kind of stand together in, in defence of, of their teammates, also, hopefully, it's it's a precedent for UEFA and FIFA to start taking these things a lot more seriously as well. Yeah, um, I, I I'm certainly also, not going to be cynical and say anything about the fact that it worked perfectly into PSG's hands because they knew exactly what they needed to do or not do the next day. <laughs> now, I'd also just mention that um, we've had some TV fuck-ups uh, this week in France. Um, we'll come to one of them later, but... Uh, uh, the commentator Stephen Gee has been fired apparently by Canal Plus after standing up for uh, a comedian doing satire and yet Pierre Menez uh, went on Canal Plus and uh, 
listed out, you know, the things you can't say and then finished by saying, and you can't say these words, you just can't. Having said all of those words, and he managed to come up with, I think, four different N words mm. in yep. talking about this. Um, there is uh, still, I think, a serious issue with uh, you know, the, the French football media, the French media as a whole, just mentioned that uh, how they react to uh, French players in general, but also specifically talking about racism, there's still some big, big kind of gaps in this situation. And I, I was um, shocked. Well, I wasn't shocked actually. That's the sad thing. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, they haven't adopted what we've got here where. Um, players sleepwalk through uh, a kneel for about 10 seconds before every match and racism's totally cured as a result. Mm. Yeah, that, that obviously that was highlighted um, for many reasons at the Millwall game in the UK where obviously the fans returning and that was booed. Um, Which is a disgrace, but I do think the kneeling down before a match has become a ridiculously twee yeah. thing, which isn't actually achieving anything. I mean, I agree with Kinkar's attitude to it. You, you think to the, what was it, the um, Champions League game where Man City were at and versus Marseille, and Marseille had no idea what they were doing. Mm. Yeah. That, that's, that doesn't yeah. mean they don't care. It just means that's not the thing that has happened over here. Yeah. By all accounts, Marseille as a club do a hell of a lot. Yeah, community relations in the city, which to me is a hell of a lot more important than yeah. Else. I yeah. think th th this is where you get to a situation where are you making a statement and only making a statement, or are you backing that up with words? And I think we've seen that particularly was the Rainbow Laces games out the past um, couple of weekends in in Britain, and the ones who just put out a tweet with a rainbow emoji and the ones who are doing something positive, there is a difference there. And I think it is important to make these statements because it is important, as we've seen, I think, Everton this week, um, telling, telling one fan you won't be missed where the people's club, not some people's club, uh, was a wonderful way to respond to homophobia um, that, it is important to do both. And that's uh, where I kind of draw my line. Yeah. Do both. Because words, if they're empty words, don't mean anything. And it's no. the same with anti-racism. It's the same with, with many other things. You have to back up your words with actions. Yeah, it's otherwise the key they're, just, they're just pointless otherwise, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, thank you both. And in, in terms of on the pitch, that result, uh, getting PSG through to the Champions League, what was all the worry about, we ask ourselves. Um, they've now got Barcelona in the next round. Oh, yeah, today. What, was, what was all the worry about? Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I actually think, I, I don't think they'll be disappointed with this draw. Barcelona are an absolute shit show at the moment. Um, and of course, you know... I, they won't be easy, but I think of many teams they could have got. I don't think they'll be that concerned. And, and if anything, this is the perfect opportunity to right the wrongs of what happened last time they met. 
um, if you wasn't will, so. that the time to write the wrongs of the previous time they met though yeah third time lucky basically yeah, yeah. um i i sort of feel that, that this is a, a good opportunity for them to um to progress again but as we say pretty much every time a psg it depends what psg turn up um but so uh, yeah that, that's a certainly a mouth-watering tie potentially um leal on the other hand in the europa league they have got Ajax in the draw for the next round um what looks on paper to be quite an attractive looking tie so i'm um, i'm, I'm still a bit worried because they actually lost to celtic 3-2 um mm. in a zigzaggy match in the last game if they'd won that would they have topped the group yeah i yeah. i have trouble working out the whole goal difference head-to-head thing yeah, if yeah, if if they had have won it, it yeah. like that would have been a smarter thing to do. But it was know. it was a weird one, really, because Celtic have been a mess uh, of late, yeah. and and, and uh, Neil Lennon's been under fire. I watched the game, and and it was one of those topsy turvy games that that could have gone either way. It really could have, and I think Celtic got the goals at the cre- the key times, and um, Lille, I think it's Mike Manuel was particularly cheesed off when the third one winning because Lille were on top as Celtic got their third goal. And it was just a bit of a pinball pinball game and I think looking back um, definitely there would have been a, a sense of regret because I thought Celtic actually played very well on the night but Lille deserved It wasn't entirely the first team No that's also true yeah that, that is and, and, and it, the game changed when the likes of Bamba was, was introduced I thought so yeah it, it's probably one of those that maybe given again would Gauthier have done something different possibly but um, they're through, and uh, yeah, I think that tie with Ajax will be potentially quite good fun. I mean, it's yeah. two sides that like to play, so yeah, um, we will of course keep you across whatever happens in those games, um, which will take place after Christmas. I think I'm right in saying uh, in the new year, so quite might be as late as February. So we'll keep you across those games. Um, right, let's move into the weekend's action then in well, Liga. Should we? Should we just mention? What happened to all of the ones that crashed out, though? Just... In terms of the, the teams that have gone out? Well, yeah, because Ren it's... lost 3-1 yeah. at home to Sevilla. They bottomed the group with one point. Yes. Uh, lovely to see uh, our old friend Romy Cabella, lolcat, scoring yeah. for Krasnodar uh, away at uh, Chelsea. He's very happy with that. They go into the Europa League. Uh, OM, they did yeah. score in their fifth game, but Two only bonuses. in their fifth game. They lost 3 0 to Man City, so they're, they're out. And, and Nice lost to Apoel Bersheva. Yeah, to, so. to basically crown off a thoroughly um, awful, uh, awful <laughs> period of, of European awful, football for them. Awkward, many words beginning with or. Yeah, yeah. It, it'll be fair to say that at time of recording, it's not been a vintage uh, European um, experience for French clubs so far. But that can all change, of course. You know, it can all change if PSG or indeed Lille go deep into their competitions. But um, yeah, it hasn't been fun this, this season in terms of European football for French clubs. Um, what I'm going to do now is I'm just going to read through the results from the weekend and uh, then we're just going to sort of shine a light on the title race a little bit. So uh, the weekend's action saw St Etienne play Angers, which I watched the full 90 minutes. And believe it or not, although it was nil-nil, do you know what? It, that's the weird thing. It was a nil-nil draw, but it was actually quite an entertaining game. Um, it was very okay. end-to-end. 
there were plenty of chances, mostly spurned by St Etienne. But um, yeah, it wasn't a bad watch. It could have been a lot worse. So I don't actually regret um, watching that one. So fair play to both sides. But yeah, it was very much a game that I think if we'd have got one goal, we'd have got three or four, but we didn't in the end. So such is life. Um, Marseille, we're obviously going to focus on in a second when we talk about the title race, but they won 2-1 against Monaco in what was one of the, one of the, the good-looking games of the weekend. Uh, Florian Tobin was exceptional in this game. Um, I've sort of watched the full 90 minutes. He scored the first, set up the second for Benedetto, who's finally finding the goals again. Ben Yedda got a late penalty. He as hard as to miss it, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did actually, didn't he? He kind of looped into the far post. But Marseille um, actually were, were quite impressive in this game, which uh, maybe it's sort of weird to say, but they, they were pretty good. Um, Montpellier got another win. Lucky Oof. for you, Phil. Just about. They were 2-0 up uh, through Mavididi and Pedro Mendes before... My blood goal. pressure. Jeez. Yeah, <laughs> especially I, when Kakuta's penalty levelled it. Yeah, I love the way that uh, Ferry, uh, Jordan Ferry turned up in the post-match press conference with a beer. <laughs> it was just yeah. like, yeah, lads. Some, sums up how it feels. Yeah. So that was, that was a little bit itchy. There, yes. but got the got the three points, so good. But obviously, the winner was scored by Laborde. Yes, um, who may be off in January due to what we might talk about later in large part. So that kind of rubbed in what uh, the situation for a lot of the middling to smaller clubs are going to be dealing with. Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah. So certainly, we will touch on that uh, in more depth later on. Um, nice again capped another sort of poor week for them, but uh, finally a win for Julian Stefan's Ren to ease the pressure. And by Niang, who uh, we mentioned on last week's pod, was back in the lineup and he got the winner on the twenty-eighth minute. So his much needed first win for goal. Ren. Of the year? Yeah, I think it probably was, yeah. It's certainly one of his first appearances as well. So um yeah. And in, in related news, uh, Julian Favre has been fired by Dortmund. So yes, yes, I did see that. curse continues. When you lose at home to Stuttgart five one, I think you kinda deserve it to be honest. But yeah, he has indeed gone. Uh Brest got a two one win. Their good season continues. They beat Ralphs two one on or at with the opener. Zanelli equalised for Steve Mooney. Yes, him again uh, with the winner with uh, 13 minutes to go. On was fantastic and Zanelli's was a direct corner. Yes, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, I couldn't work it out at first. I was like, how, uh, how on earth? But it seems to be quite a lot of those goals. There's that, that back heel flick from a corner from, was it Bohoken last week as well? There's, uh, there's been quite a few interesting, uh, unusual goals this this uh, this year in, in Liga. Um I'm delighted to say that Lorient got three of those goals this weekend. Hallelujah. About bloody time. But after the dreaded vote of confidence for Pellissier from the chairman this week, uh, Lorient responded. And uh, Bruscar with the opener. Pierre-Yves Hamel. Uh, that, was the, weeks. that was the fastest goal of the weekend. As well. Yeah, it was the first one went in, wasn't it? 70-something seconds, I think it was. Um, and then but, there were two goals disallowed late on as well, which yes, yeah, um, interesting penalty calls in that game. TV as well. was shrieking and binging and going back and forwards to various places. It's um, it's a much needed win for Laurent, that's for sure. Um, I've been saying for, for weeks that Pierre Femel needs to be starting in this team, and he was back in the team, and he notched the penalty for the second before Bjorn Wisser got the late third. So, uh, very, very important win that for Laurent. Uh, Nantes still can't get a win. They drew one all with Dijon. Moses Simon with the penalty to put them in front before Kanata equalised for Dijon. That's not really a that result. Was that was after 
was that after or before Gorkov was fired? Oh, yeah. after. after. And then uh, the CRS tear gassed uh, not fans who were protesting against uh, Keita, the president, and various decisions taken so far. So I think we're going to see more from that corner of the hexagon, maybe yeah. going forwards. Has there, there hasn't been an appointment yet, has there, in terms of the managerial situation? I think Carlos staying there at least till January. Okay, okay. Um, Keith's gone through something like 14 managers in 14 years or something. Yeah. Yikes. Um, and also the same day that Wilkoff was fired, um, there was some kind of police raid on, on Nantes headquarters. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Some kind of fraud or something. So Fun times. It's really sad yeah. because they are traditionally such a good club, nice club, a great footballing club. And we're not seeing much of that at the moment. No, no, we're seeing anything but that at the moment um, in terms of what's going on. But uh, yeah, a result that doesn't really help either side, this one. Um, Strasbourg, and D, uh, Strasbourg, and D, Strasbourg and Mets, as you said, just wasn't a bad Sunday for Mets, who got uh, a point having led twice, I guess, is the, the only disappointment. They led twice and they should have had a penalty, which they didn't get. And then they did get another penalty and they missed it, which was yeah. a two-goal lead. So in some ways it was frustrating, but we're also outplayed for most of the match. So Yeah, overall not sort of too disappointed, as it were. Um, Bron, as you say, scored and missed a penalty. <clears throat> Get... Say again? And we've got another injury now. Oh God, I didn't see that. Okay, well that's that's even worse news. <laughs> maybe, maybe it wasn't such a good day at the office after all. Um, Subi Khan and Thomason with the goals for the uh, the home side. Um, the two big games on the Sunday, which again will transition into the title talk, saw Lille go top of the table with a two-one win against Bordeaux. This was a very watchable game as well. Actually, Bordeaux uh, came to play, which was slightly uh, slightly unexpected in my opinion. But uh, Bamba got the opener, delicious goal, actually, really beautifully crafted goal in, in off the inside of the post. Thomas Bassett equalised from a corner for Bordeaux before Jose Font. I remember him popped up just before half time to get the goal for Lille to win the game. Is it reasonable to say that Bamba's goal was reminiscent of that Ronaldinho goal against Chelsea? Yes, I think it was. The way he sort of almost stopped dead before the minimal backlift and just sweeping yeah. through. But yeah, I can see why, you, why you'd say that. Absolutely. Um, the technique was, was magnificent, really, really was. It's well worth watching if you haven't seen that particular goal. So go look it up, people. Um, and then 24, I say 24 hours later, 12, not even 12 hours later. Um, a few hours later, we'll go with that, um, we saw the, the big game of the weekend, which is where we lead into the title talk. PSG losing at home to Lyon. Um, forgive me, I haven't got the stat, but it's been a while since Lyon have won in Paris. And uh, thanks to their informed striker, it have to be said, uh, Tino Cadawere, with the winning goal. Tiago Mendes seeing red, more on that later. Um, but yeah, we, we've got a title race and I think we've got a genuine title race. It's, it's a bit of a weird season for all the major European leagues, but no more so than, than Ligue 1. The four clubs we're going to focus on, apologies Phil, I'm going to leave Montpellier out for the time being, but we're going to look at the Oh, you four. do that. <laughs> keep keep we'll, you under the radar. We'll, we'll go under the radar like the last time. 
Well, the it's team fine. in um, the team in fourth that are under the radar is Marseille, and they're just a winning machine in, in Liga. All of a sudden, they have twenty-seven in, points, still with two games in hand. Exactly, yeah. So they could against potentially... Nice and Lens at home. So they could so potentially you've got to be, be thinking four points out of that. And they'd be top by uh, what five points if they win those. Um, PSG, unthinkably, are third currently with 28 points. Uh, hefty goal difference if they were to, um, to to get back to winning ways, it has to be said. Lyon are now joint top, technically second, with a four, plus 14 goal difference, with Lille top of the table with a plus 16 difference, uh, both with 29 points. But um, in much the best form with yeah on the spin. Who, who, who is kind of question I was going to ask you both. I'll start with you then, Phil. Lille, the ones for you to watch because, again, it will yeah, touch I, on Lyon mm. and Marseille. But I have, I just, I don't know. I can't commit to them yet. But Lille, I'm, I'm no. very in bed with. I, I do think um, Lille don't have the best form, and they will have to play Europe next year. But I just, like you said, I feel more confident about them you know if I was going to pick a team that had to help me change a tyre on a dark night I'd pick Lille not Lille mm. does that make sense reliable yeah 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 I, I, I yeah I could tend to tend to agree with you and, and they play some good football Jez are you are you coming round to the idea that both Lyon and Marseille could potentially go all the way. I mean, both, was it five straight wins for both? Leon seemed to be getting into some sort of form. They were tactically very good last night. Um, Marseille, again, I, you know, they, they were pretty good in, in terms of their win at the, at the weekend. I did think that they they actually deserved the win and, and played some, some decent football at times uh, against Monaco. Are you, are you convinced or are you still a bit, like I am, where I just, I just don't know. that They don't have European football, of course, as well. So is that an advantage? Yeah, I still think that, that Lyon have got um, the best, on paper, the, the sort of best squad other than, other than PSG. And obviously they haven't been playing Europe, which may or may not be a factor, seeing as now a lot of other teams aren't playing Europe either. Um, it's just the usual thing with Lyon. How long can they, they keep it going? When will they implode? Can certain players keep up sort of positive um, attitude and um, team spirit? Sorry. That Andre Villas-Boas on the line at the moment. Um, yeah. Uh, so I think Lyon should be up there. For Marseille, the thing is, they've had a terrible period of playing horrific football, but somehow they've kept winning during that period. Now they're no longer in Europe. That should be an advantage for them as well. So in theory, you know, you talked about Tovan, how well he play, how well he plays. I'm going to have to take this call. So if you don't mind just carrying on for a bit, and I'll yeah, sure. We'll, be, sure, we'll be fine. Get the cat to get it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, well, oh, what, what's they're... your thoughts on Marseille for that? Because they're the ones I look at. I look at Marseille and I go... Yeah, this is the thing. I'm tested, looking at this you know? going, you have such an opportunity and they're on such a good run. Mm. And their the games in hand are against Nice and Lens. And yet it would be so Marseille to fuck up this... To lose the both, yeah. <laughs> this this um, kind of uh, advantage that they've got in their hands. So I'm... 
I'm kind of, uh, you know, uh, spiritually with our Marseille friends because I know a lot of them seem very nervous about how this is going to pan out. I don't know when those matches are going to happen because everything is so um, kind of um, concertina going up to Christmas. We've got another three rounds so midweek this week next weekend and then the 23rd to try to catch up a bit those games in hand are going to happen randomly in january and february mm. so it's going to be a long time before they can kind of uh, actually concretize crystallize whatever you want to call it um that situation so it's very much a schrodinger's points situation at the moment that oh they could get you know another six points or they could die on their asses and what happens is i think going to be that's going to be a really interesting kind of uh, element of the title race yeah because the thing for me is if they if they win those two games the key mm-hmm. thing is, if they win those two games, I say it is a big, it is the big. Well, uh, the if is the big if. Yeah, it is a big if. But if if they do, to take them, that would take them to thirty three points, a four point lead. Sorry, I said five earlier, a four point lead going into the winter break, assuming they win the other matches, and you know, just assuming the tables continue. But they, as they won't are. get to play those matches until after the winter break. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Yeah, so, so, so they we, they could. This is not going to. We are not going to find out if the cat is dead or not until no. February. And and potentially, I also wonder. And this is probably uh, none of us could possibly say for sure on this one. Um, there isn't a lot of money at Marseille. We know this, but th- there were some really interesting comments. I think it was Villaspuros who was sort of saying about Pablo Enrique. We said they they signed him, and he wasn't really a centre forward. I wonder if they could actually, you know, even if they could get a loan centre forward. I know Benedetto is finally starting to find some some form at the moment, but if they could add some goals to that in January, I wonder if the owners might have a look at the situation and go, this is actually a really good chance if we either loosen the purse strings slightly or or find a way of of getting in a couple of loan players or something just to boost that squad. It just might be the time to do it. Whereas you look at Leon, I mean, they've they've probably got the squad to, to... um, compete as far as the title race goes. The trouble I find with Leon, I it's just defensively, and and ironically, last night they looked really good, um, yeah. and and restricted PSG to really not on shot on target. Yeah, yeah, and 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 they weren't particularly great. I didn't think that, that was, was a, from Florenzi. So. Yeah, and this was without uh, Kylian Mbappe as well. He was left on the bench, which you know, make of that decision what you will, given the fact that they were already through in Europe. I mean, it seemed a bit of an odd one to me. I guess they've got to protect him a bit, but a strange one. Um, Jez, are you back with us? Yeah. Good stuff. Um, I wanted to ask you about your thoughts in, in regards to... There was, there was one particular incident at the end of this, this game... Um, I've got some views that I have a suspicion you're not going to agree with me on, but um, we'll, we'll press on regardless. Thiago Mendes was was dismissed for what I thought was a horrific challenge. Um, and I'll use that word because um, I've seen a lot of people say it was mistimed, he went for the ball. Having had a tackle like that in my playing days, albeit obviously not at a professional level, and still getting pain from it 12 years later, 
we've we've since found out today that that Neymar, who was the uh, the player who was in question receiving the tackle, is only likely to miss potentially three weeks, which I think he's got away very luckily. Um, so it looked at the time he left the pitch on a stretcher in tears. It looked for all the world like he'd had a break. Um, what was your sort of thoughts, a on the tackle and and b the treatment he gets because. I just don't think it's acceptable anymore. I know his father's come out and said the same today. He he brings on certain things himself, but I, I, I'm I'm getting a bit tired of, of players thinking that because he winds people up, it's okay to just go through the back of him every single game. What's your thoughts? In terms of the tackle, it was a it was a bad foul, and they happen they happen to lots of players all the time in every, almost every match, um, and. The way his ankle went over is, I think, was relatively unfortunate. I don't think that the, the way the tackle came in, that was necessarily the the sort of natural consequence of it. Um, obviously, we have to have the tears. And generally, I think if a player is immediately putting his hand up and looking at the bench, it's probably actually not as bad. I think when it's a serious injury, they generally are not moving much at all. Um, so I think actually some of the theatrics probably should have allayed immediate concerns at the time. In terms of the treatment, I just think it's complete bullshit and I'm sorry and I'm so bored of hearing it, all this old Neymar deserves more protection. First of all, you know, Maradona died a couple of weeks ago. I know it was a different time, but you look at some of the treatment he got. Neymar has it bloody lucky compared to, to how it, how it has been in the part, the treatment that the very top players get and have had in the past. Messi gets as much but rough treatment as Neymar, but we don't get all the tears and the theatrics and everything. And the in terms of the winding players up and, and sort of um, asking for it, I'm sorry, but he does to an extent. The fact is that the, there are rules in place and every, you start every match from scratch. You can't there's no reason why someone should get an extra punishment if they found Neymar as opposed to Cavani or something like that. The foul's a foul. And yes, there's issues in terms of consistency and refereeing and things like that. But, you know, if it is a foul, give a free kick. If it's a bad foul, give a booking. It's a very bad foul, send the player off. But you don't immediately say, well, because it's Neymar and we need to protect him more than other players, if it's any kind of foul, we send the other player off. It's ridiculous. And in terms of the winding up, it's not that players should be treated more leniently if Neymar wound them up. But Neymar's got to expect that if he's winding players up, they're more likely to go in that little bit harder just to shut him up, especially because it's been proven time and again that it works. And frankly, it worked last night. Neymar again was getting wound up and had a pretty shit game because he was concentrating more on all the rest of it. So I'm afraid I don't agree with you. Um, mm. I mean, well, certainly, you know, no more Neymar than anyone else. Players, players shouldn't, you know, in an ideal world, players shouldn't be fouled. Just like players shouldn't handball it. Players shouldn't um, try to claim throw-ins that aren't theirs players shouldn't dive in the area all of them are breaches of the rules of the game and there's um punishments or penalties or whatever in place to deal with those things yeah. um but you don't change the rules just for one player where where i do agree with you um is uh, it, for me it's not just a neymar issue for me it, it's an issue in in football as a whole um and what i'm sick and tired of is is 
the idea that if you're a flair player, it's absolutely fine to get kicked up in the air. And I, I do understand the 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 Maradona situation. The only thing I would say to that is it's a different time. It's it's a different it's a different era. That's and, fine, uh, but it's not a different era to Messi. No, no, and and I and I and I agree with you. I think Messi gets gets equally as as horrendous treatment in in La Liga from certain teams. It was that one game a few years ago. He's just kicked up and down the pitch. I just don't think that certain players should have to tolerate that. And I, as I say, I do, I do agree. I think Neymar does have that sort of element of um, the, the showboating about it. I don't actually think all of that is his fault. There's a lot of Brazilian players that come through that kind of style of play and that's how they play the game. That's their street football style. Um, you know, I, looking at the situation last night, you saw two polar opposites of it when you saw the Paredes Depay situation where Paredes clearly does what Paredes does, took out Memphis Depay on, on the halfway line. It was cynical. I don't think it was malicious, but it was very cynical. It was very tactical. The two players laughed it off. Um, that's, you know, the, that's There was another issue when uh, Depay was taken down in the area, which looked to me like a clear penalty and wasn't. Yeah, I didn't think it was. I didn't think it, I didn't think I, I couldn't understand how people thought it was. That was the, and that is, shows how how the two views can be so different, isn't it? Exactly. This I was discussing this um, kind of last night with uh, Kevin Williams and Mohammed Butt about the tackle on Neymar, and I was watching this live, and it looked to me like a robust slide challenge first up, but then. And when Neymar goes down because of the history that he has, maybe you're thinking, oh, whatever, whatever. But because there's no crowds in the stands, you could hear him. And, oh boy, you yeah. could hear that was serious. Yeah. And that was, that was when I in a sense, started, in a sense, taking it seriously. Because if you're used to uh, players going down easy and rolling around and holding your face, but this was different. And I still don't think it was, for Mendes, it was malicious. I think it was robust. But it was kind of one of those scissor yeah. kind of kicks. That, and that's why... Maybe those full body challenges can also be a damn stupid idea. Yeah, you know? that, that's that's what I don't like about it. It's it's the out yeah. of control nature, and I think uh, uh, you know obviously we and about... uh, you can see so many different replays from different angles, and you can argue about this stuff. But the fact is that could have been very serious. It seems like it's not as serious as we thought at the time, which is obviously a good thing. But now I'm seeing people saying. Well, he shouldn't have been crying about it if it wasn't that serious. It can still fucking hurt. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's like exactly. It's not like it's not like you you know as the as the victim uh, whether it's a sprain, a break, or, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was clearly a serious situation, and what we had in in France was after that people tried to talk about Neymar injury, and then. Um, Telefoot trying to interview Kadawari in two different languages because um, he he mainly speaks English and it all got extremely confused at that situation 
But yeah. I think it's good to see that um, Neymar appears to be limping out of uh, limping out of the treatment centre with weeks rather than months as the prognosis. Yeah, no, I saw the it's like... Oh, what's your, what's your suggestion then, Chris, for how you deal with something like that? Do you get an extra ban if it's a flair player? No, I, 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 don't, <laughs> I don't think... Uh, do you know what? I don't even think it's about flair players. And, and I highlight it because Neymar gets a lot of it. But this, for me, goes back... And yeah, I completely hold my hands up, you know, as a <laughs> fan of the club. I, Ramsey. Well, it's not just Ramsey. It, it, was, it was Abu Dhabi, whose career was basically ended by that twat at Sunderland it was Eduardo and there's been and there have been other players at other clubs I mean obviously I focus on those three because it's the club I follow but it's not only that you you see it from a different perspective in the Premier League with what Harry Kane does which for me is is even more dangerous in terms of the way he maneuvers his body into players and lets players ride over the back of him and gets fouled and because he's England captain that's fine no problem at all no retrospective action so I'm not going to. I think the. But the fact is that teams have to. Like I said, you sort of you pay your money, you you make your choice, or whatever the phrase is. Like team, you know, this is the kind of thing that's happened with Thierry Laure, and the only reason he got in trouble was because he was silly enough to say it out loud. Yeah. (laughs) If you don't have the kind of players to stop someone like Neymar when he's at the peak of his form. You know, it's the, the old line about, oh, that's a, a good foul to make, or that's a good yellow card to, to get. You're still, it's still a breach of the rules. I mean, you can argue about the extent to which it's a breach, but you're breaking a law of the game, and then it's up to the ref to, to deal with it. But mm. at the same time, you're not going to let Neymar run past you and say, you know what, mate, you're a flair player, you're better than me, so I'll let you do it. No, um, no, I'm, I'm not saying that. I, I and and I. And I, I don't point. think I think you're being a little bit harsh on the foul yesterday. It was it was a bad foul, but I mean it's not in the Dan Smith category or anything. No, no, it's it's not in that. But I I still I still think and what really cheesed me off with that foul is it's so unnecessary. That that they're the challenges that if a player is running through on goal, um, we saw it with the Mbappe one, didn't we? With with um. Uh, name escapes me, former Etienne captain who's retired now. Mm. Um, you know, that was a bad challenge, but you could sort of see why he went in where he did with the force he did because it was last ditch. Those sort of injuries happen. Players start to get caught in the turf, etc. That was a completely nonsensical challenge at a time in the game where yeah, the game was all but over in the centre circle. They were only one, one goal up at the reigning champions where, like you said, they haven't won for a long time. So pull his shirt. Let Neymar go and he could yeah, pull go his around shirt. three players. Yeah, it was a slight tackle. It was... Yeah, for a team, you know, I love Vieira as a player, but Vieira is one of those players that was all about also putting in reducers every now and again. I'm sure you cheered enough of them. Yeah, but I don't. I don't think he ever made th- these sort of these sort of scissor challenges that are, that are becoming far more regular now. In 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 that sort of era, the the Keen Vieira era, if you like, it was always both players went in. If anything, they were potentially worse challenges because both players were going in with studs up at that time. Nowadays, to me, these scissor challenges, what they are, it, in my opinion, is is their cowardice because you turn your back, you're out of control, you bring the second leg through, and that's what often no, catches that, the players. But that wasn't what he did, 
I, d- I, d- I don't know. He, w- he, I, went in, he went in hard. But I think he knew exactly he, what he was doing. That's, I that's, and that's, that's my opinion. That's I, 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 where the be in sports, six different angles, all of them look bad, but what did he mean to do situation? Yeah, and, and only, work that out. And only the player will ever will ever be able to tell you, but for, for me... And, and I mean, he will never do that, so kind of what's yeah. the point in continuing? And then that's, yeah, and that's definitely, and, and, and you would say, you could say that diving is just as bad a, a you know, a, an issue, bringing it back to Neymar, you know, and, and I agree retrospective punishment should be, should be made for that. I just, I have a real issue with these, these newfangled challenges. It's like, oh, well, he got the ball first, but then he came through like a truck afterwards is fine. It's not, it's just not. And I'm, I worry in the great grand scheme of things that we're going to worry, particularly in the league we watch, where there's so many young talented players I worry that these sort of players are, are going to get kicked out of the game and that's my concern um but as you say you know it it's it made for a good debate so well, that's they, the main uh, thing they've never been kicked out of the game and they used to be kicked a hell of a lot more yeah 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 but I I just think the way the game's going with the speed the game is is progressing at and and the the way that the modern professional needs to be all about pace and I think they're more and, protected now than they ever have been before Mm, I don't know. I don't know. I don't well, know. time will tell. The guy was sent off. So yeah, and uh, as I say, I you know I, I had a I had a frank exchange of views with um, with Lana about this as well last night, and she was very much on Jez's side. So I totally you know I totally understand that not everyone's going to agree, but for me, not a fan. I'll say that much. I'm not. I'm, I'm not sort of defending what Mendes did because it was Neymar, but I'm also not going to say that it was extra bad because it was Neymar. No, hmm. no, and I think that's fair. It was know. what it was. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just well, and I, and and don't get me wrong. As a fan of Neymar as a player, I really wish we didn't have to go through all this constant. You know, some of the the fouls he buys are really clever. Let's be honest, because again, he's getting an advantage. But some of the rolling some of them are and, really fucking annoying. Yeah, and and if he was even at my own club, I think even I would be a bit. You know what? Let's just stop that now. But you know, if if yeah. If Neymar kind of been, if I'm on the pitch and he's taken the piss out of me all match, whether it's, you know, sombreros over my head or diving every time I go near him or, you know, insulting me in Portuguese all match or whatever, then at some point I might go, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to try to take his legs out and if I get sent off, fine, it will be worth it. Yeah, yeah, and, and I get that as well, again. Having played Sunday League, I can definitely relate to that, having been skinned a hundred times by a quick winger and just thinking I've had enough of this and putting him in a hedge. I get it. I do get it. Um, but I just think... Seriously, French... French Ligue 1 would be so much better if there were hedges. Um, well, yes, yeah. It'll pitches with hedges around them, the, the good old days of football. But... Um, it's definitely one that will run and run. And if you've got an opinion on this, if you're listening to this and you agree or you disagree with either of us, let us know. Um, you know, over the Christmas period, things might be a bit quieter. Although not I'd really say let games, Chris but... know, but you can't. No, you can't let me know. You can let the pod know and they can pass on. Yeah, and then we have to deal with it. Yeah, well, you know. Anyway, um, let's look ahead to the games because um, we, uh, we've we got one other topic that we want to cover in a momento, which we will finish with. But just before we do that, um, we've got a full double programme this week. We've got a midweek round, which somehow we're going to have to cover in next week's pod as well as the weekend's action. We've, uh, we've got five games at 6pm UK time on Wednesday, which will be the 16th of December. Uh, Angers hosts Strasbourg. Uh, Dijon hosts Leaders Lille. 
It'll be interesting to see if they can keep up the pace. Montpellier met in the Phil Jazz Derby. Mm-hmm. Uh, put the sharp instruments down. Nîmes versus Nice. Uh, again, Nice very much needing a win there, as do Nîmes, to be fair. Rams host Nantes. And then in the 8 o'clock games, again, UK time, you've got Bordeaux, St Etienne. Um, St Etienne really need to start winning them fast. Lyon host Brest in an effort to keep up there challenge for the title yes i think it might might be quite a a free-flowing game that one potentially i don't think brass will come and sit back for for a point in that one so that could be a good watch Uh, monaco Lens also might be a decent watch psg lorient i'm probably going to watch through my fingers hidden behind the sofa because i have a horrible (laughs) feeling i know what's coming but you never know and uh ren marseille uh, in the battle of who was crappiest in europe this season is also at eight o'clock uh, that night. So uh, we shall certainly see how they go. Um, before we go this week, though, um, Phil, normally we would be able to watch all of those games and um, we should be able to, but there's a lot going on in France. I think you and Jazz have both got views on, on things. So My for those who don't word. know, well, what do you I've understand? Views. I've also got 200 euros up in the air on this one. Um, so you may have seen that the... Um, broadcasting rights for Ligue 1 have uh, gone into a bit of a shambles moment. Um, to say the least. We have a situation where Telefoot have most of the games and Canal Plus have some of the games. This is, replaces previous years where BN had most of the games and Canal Plus had some of the games and Telefoot is owned by Media Pro and Media Pro have been refusing to pay their agreed monthly fee for the past couple of months and have now been binned by the league so I as a Telefoot subscriber got an email saying that they will be continuing to show games up until the 23rd which is round 17 I think yeah Um, and then after that who the fuck knows we've got a situation where clubs are in serious financial trouble because they haven't been able to have fans in the league has been helping out where they can but you have a club for example like Montpellier decently run good financial basis and they're looking at having to sell Gaetan Laborde in January to make up the money that Media Broke Telefoot has not paid. One of the things after that PSG OL game on Sunday, and bear in mind, I'm watching this on Telefoot, was somebody asked Tuchel, what's more likely? Messi comes to PSG or Media Pro pays up what it owes, right? Their own commentators are taking the piss out of them because this is such a ridiculous situation. We've got lots of people who are going to lose their jobs around Christmas, and it's all utterly avoidable if the league had not just seen the big numbers and had actually looked at the credibility of the offer Mm. so 
it's an absolute shambles. There is a very good article up on it on the Financial Times at the moment, because obviously most of the coverage is in French, but if you do want to read it in English, the Financial Times has a good article on this explaining how the hell all this shit happened. And it's not, not edifying at any level. No, no, that's that's definitely what I've read into it. What What's your stance on it, Jess? And, and how does it... Does it? Uh, it sounds like a really trivial thing to say, but it. They were talking about this on BT Sport here in the UK during the uh, Bordeaux Lille match. I think it was. I forget who the conversation was now. Forgive me, but he was basically saying apologies. But if we're suddenly, if the plug is suddenly pulled on us, it's not us, um, and I'll be here just to talk to you about nothing for for ninety minutes. So just a warning in advance. What does this kind of mean? Because. Liga was celebrating this this huge deal for TV rights, seemingly you know not so long ago, um, and they're they're trying to sort of make the league more appealing. We've got a proper title race this year, and then this drops. I mean, what does it mean for the league as a whole? Do you think? And and obviously, you know, your views and uh, as a as a whole on on what the situation is. Well, Phil mentioned that it's kind of unfair on the clubs that are well run. Obviously, there's lots of accusations flying around, but <clears throat> there, there are a lot of people saying, well, this was kind of quite clearly going to happen right from the start. And there's an amazing clip of um, Maxim Sada, who's the sort of CEO of Canal Plus, um, predicting in, I think, May 2018, exactly what was going to happen and when it was going to happen. Um, and Canal Plus must be sort of laughing because at some point they'll be surely given the rights at a really good price. Um, but lots of people are saying, you know, as, as much as anything else, this was all the presidents of all the clubs kind of pushing for it to happen and sort of closing their eyes to, to a little bit of reality. So there is some fault there as well, and it does need to sort of be well shared around. But from a purely sort of footballing or league app point of view, I, just, I think it's really sad and, and you know, we, we skirted over Rennes and Marseille and Nice in Europe and before I was sort of rudely interrupted by my own phone, I was about to talk about Marseille and Tovan, how, you know, this really is Tovan's level that he's kind of still looking so good in Ligue 1 and so awful when he has to um, move on to the European or international stage, for example. Um, it's just, you know, we spend so much time trying to get rid of all these accusations of farmers league and, and, and that kind of thing. And, and there's two elements to it. There's the diabolical performances by certain teams in Europe and not just performances, but attitude as well. And then there's this TV thing and it's just, it's so annoying because, you know, had it all worked out, this would have been the chance for four league out to take that next step forward and compete. If not, clearly not on the same basis as the Premier League, certainly have a little bit more money around to either buy better players in or at least retain their better players for a little bit longer, um, you know, have more competitive um, salaries um, to so that, you know, players aren't looking to leave, even if it's to a championship team at the first opportunity. Not only is that now not going to happen, but... It actually takes French clubs sort of further back than they were because there's going to be financial implications for them, especially in a COVID year. And there's just the additional embarrassment of the whole league and everyone involved in it, whether it's FFF, LFP, 
the teams, the clubs themselves, just everyone coming out looking like amateurs again. And it's just really frustrating because, you know, obviously we're huge um, defenders of of French football. There's so much going for it. Obviously, the, the international team is proving that. So many players um, representing France abroad are proving that. But they really don't do themselves any favours. And, you know, we're talking about this great title race. We're talking about Lille certainly playing good football, showing a great attitude in Europe, apart from that last match against Celtic with the rest of the players, but, you know, generally going for it and showing what happens if you don't um, show other leagues a little bit too much respect. You want to see more of that. You want to see more of these young players coming through and hopefully playing in these teams with a balance with with um, top established professionals as well. And not only are we not seeing any of that, but we're also giving people sort of more ammunition to to laugh at us and it's just really frustrating yeah yeah and i guess i guess the worry like we've said already and you know certain clubs losing some of their star names i guess the other worry is those clubs that maybe don't have quote unquote star names they might just have potential good players or potential young players that may not be actual star names that will be going for next to nothing whereas if they stayed in the league and, and progressed and made their name I think it's someone like Aiden Murray for example players leaving especially for the Bundesliga before they mm. even played a professional match in France yeah yeah and that that's got to be a concern in, in terms of financial and, and like you say it's, it's so but frustrating fair, I feel better about them going to the Bundesliga than Newcastle yeah there is that yeah yeah there is that for, for sure but um yeah it, it is a shame and, and from a selfish point of view i just hope things get sorted out because i i have no idea what the inner workings of the contract with bt sport is or are but i assume there has to be some kind of link to the french broadcasting authorities to even get the pictures to the uk through bt so you know i presume there has to be a link somewhere in there and um the last thing i want to do is have to go back to watching Liga on a betting stream because it's a tiny little box and grainy footage and I don't like it. <laughs> and then on the other hand, no Jonathan Pierce and Clive Allen. There is that. But, uh, um, and no Stephen Gee now. And, uh, and if you didn't know, listener, um, uh, Clive Allen once played in France. I don't know if you, if you know that, but yeah, he did. Um, but yeah, at least we've got a mute button for that, Jess. That's the only thing I would say. Um, yeah. and, and if I could have French commentary as an option, I'm on BT. I would have it, even if I didn't have a clue what was being said. I'd rather listen to that than, than Jonathan Pierce. But you know, God bless. Somebody's got to make a living, I guess. But uh, yeah, it is. Um, it's a situation that will run and run. I, I presume we'll get more in the coming weeks in terms of what happens. I, I imagine something will get sorted out one way or the other. But yeah, I think. Is. I mean, they they they've come to some kind of agreement where they're still going to pay a certain amount of money, but obviously nowhere near as much as what they owe. Mm. The channel itself is going to close down, which yeah. means, yeah, a lot of people who kind of, I guess, not state their reputation, but left jobs in order to join. Yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, not the it's all. not the you know the pundits or the on-screen people that we need to worry about. They'll yeah, be fine. Behind the scenes. Yeah, it's yeah. The, the people, the techs, the the writers, the back office staff who are going to be screwed here. Yeah. I think it it looks like it's they're going to continue till Christmas and then see what happens. And seeing what happens is not something I want to hear as an employee. No. 
Yeah. I think at some point Canal and BN will take over, but that doesn't help those employees. And in terms of purely and in terms of, of sort of money coming in, I think there's appeals for the government to help, which they're not completely against the idea, but quite rightly, they're also worried about the precedent being set where people can go. They've also yeah, they've already let's take on any kind which of which has gone to the league, which is then will be the government will bail us out. That's the problem. But that money has already come from the government to the league and been given to clubs to help to alleviate the uh, lack of gate money. So that's kind of already happened. So uh, having Whether to... they've got more money available, I don't know, but that exacerbates it. You know, if they'd hadn't yeah. already made some huge pay, payout... They, they haven't been paid what they were owed from the TV people, that's... The stuff that couldn't be planned for because they were planning on having that money because it was contractually obliged to be paid. Mm. So it's all got a bit, you know, it's all got a bit difficult, but I think the, it's going to be a short Christmas break this time, but there, I'm guessing there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be not having a Christmas break because they are trying to work this out mm. and uh, we'll see where we get to in January. Yeah, not not a positive situation to be in one way or the other, is it? Um, would be fair to say. But uh, assuming the matches are, are still on the air, um, when when we go to broadcast... We're good until Christmas. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> After that... <laughs> Who knows? Who we'll knows? have to send John Mainland out with a video camera. Yeah, yeah, peering over the aforementioned hedge um, once again, just to see what's going on. Um, we do obviously have games at the weekend as well. I think in the interest of not confusing you all with thousand fixtures, we'll just look back at two rounds when we record next week. I think that's going to be the easiest way of doing it. So um, focus on the midweek first, and then we'll, uh, we'll get to the weekend uh, when the weekend arrives. But um, needless to say, when we record again, two more games will have been played by each team. Uh, assuming everything goes according to plan. So, um, yes, I think we will will draw a line there. Um, just remains for me to thank, obviously, you, the listener, if you're tuning in. Thank you very much, because without you, it would just be us three waffling on to each other. We don't mind that, but it's always nice to have people listen to us. So thank you. And, uh, and of course, thank you to Phil and to Jez for providing the content this evening. Thank you to you both. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, best of luck to you both in the FFW Derby for tomorrow, for Wednesday. Uh, as I say, no bloodshed, assuming you're both back next week. So there you go. Uh, right. Until then, uh, enjoy your double dose of French football. Uh, keep your TV on and we'll speak to you very soon. <laughs>